engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello, hello, hello. It is 5.09. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. You know, I've been thinking about this. Jared Kushner gave his testimony today. Now, (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, if I wasn't in the South, it wouldn't even occur to me. But uh, Jared Kushner did not find Jesus this afternoon. When I say he gave his testimony, I mean that he actually talked to Congress today. I guess I should clarify that. Uh, Jared Kushner uh, testified before the House or the Senate Intelligence Committee. Yeah, that a better phrasing here in the South. Uh, and it was behind closed doors. He released a statement. Basically, he says, I didn't collude with the Russians. Contrary to press reports, I never even had meetings with the Russian ambassador before the election. Uh, considering the fact that the Russian ambassador wanted to establish ties after the election, uh, you would think that he wouldn't be asking for that if we were already talking. That's a good point. I got a better point. And it dawned on me when I saw Gallup's polling come out. Okay, follow along with me here, because I'm this is a, a, a I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm building this in my head as I say it, which is always a dangerous thing. But Gallup has released polling today. The president is above fifty percent in seventeen states, and those are all states he won easily. He is beneath forty uh, percent in seventeen states, and those are all states he lost handily. But he's between 40 and 50 percent in the rest of the states, and most of those are states he won, and they are states that were swing states. On top of that, we also know that the president is at 50 percent or higher in counties that he won. If the election were held today, the president would beat Hillary Clinton all over again. She is less popular than him. The media no longer focuses on her because she's no longer a candidate, but it's worth noting that if the election were held again today, Donald Trump would still be elected president. He would still lose the popular vote. He would still win the Electoral College. Now, this is where it gets to Kushner. The Democrats first wanted us to believe that the Russians hacked voting booths and stole the election. When even the Obama administration walked that back, they then settled on a theory that the Russians probably targeted just swing states. Well, the Obama administration disagreed with that, so they had to walk it back. And so then they they decided that their current prevailing theory is that the Russians targeted persuadable voters in key swing states. And that's where they get to Jared Kushner, that Jared Kushner, according to the Democratic theory of the day, Jared Kushner gave Cambridge Cambridge Analytics data to the Russians, and the Russians were then able to target persuadable voters in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, states like that. Now, so follow along with me here. Jared Kushner supposedly gave the Russians Cambridge Analytics data so that they could target swing and persuadable voters in Iowa, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And those are all states where right now the president is between 40 and 49 percent. Those are all states where right now the president is over 50 percent in the counties that he won. Now, this may seem a little bit off to some of you, particularly those of you who are are diehard, always opposed to the president. 
But it, it seems to me, knowing what we now know based on these democratic hypotheses and the media obsession with them, 75% of media airtime, news airtime in the past three months has gone to the Russia investigation. You would think that the president's popularity would be far lower than 50% or higher in the county C1 and far lower than 40% in these swing states if these people suddenly believe they had been had by the Russians. I mean, if, if you were in a situation where you now know, based on 75% of overwhelming media attention, that you were played by the Russians, I would think that you would say... I myself was not played by the Russians, but Joe across the street, that dumb so-and-so, he was taken in by the Russians. And even if you voted for Trump, you would say, I didn't vote for Trump, but Joe across the street, that fool, he voted for Trump because the Russians convinced him to. But we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that across the board. We're not seeing in these swing states where the Russians supposedly convinced people to go with Trump. We're not seeing the scales falling off the eyes, so to speak. We're not seeing the, the recognition that these people have been played. And you and I both know from our own personal experiences in life that when you've been played, you get mad about it. And rarely are you willing to admit that you've been played, but you're willing to admit that the guy across the street or next door or someone you know in your office did get played because they're a bigger idiot than you. And you project what happened to you onto them. And that's not happening here. It's not happening. And so that suggests to me further is further evidence of a couple of things. One, I think anecdotally, it's evidence that the Russians didn't play anyone. That the people in these states, they voted for Trump because they didn't like Hillary Clinton or they liked Donald Trump, not because of the Russians. I think what it also shows us is that the media attacks aren't really working. The media obsession with Russia isn't really working. Just think about it this way. Where is the president doing worse in polling? Where, where is he absolutely cratering in the polling? All of the states he lost easily to Hillary Clinton. The states that were easiest for Hillary Clinton to win, those are the states Trump's doing terrible in. The states that were swing states, the states that were competitive swing states, they're still competitive swing states. If there was a real backlash against the president because of Russia, if people really did believe that Russia stole the election, if people really did believe they themselves might have been hoodwinked by Russia, you would see a massive fall-off in the president's support in these swing states. And it's not happening. And that leads me to believe that people, regardless of what the Democrats want you to believe about Russia targeting people, that people themselves believe they themselves came to the conclusion to vote for or against Donald Trump on their own. They didn't need the Russians telling them how to do it. 
And so if you've got that case, the case the Democrats are trying to litigate the president isn't a case that they can litigate against the president because it would essentially require that voters themselves admit that they were idiots who were played by the Russians. And no voter is going to do that. And so when Jerry Kushner says he didn't collude with the Russians, I think you got to give him some, some credit there. But also, who cares? Even if he did, there's no crime. I mean, you got to have a victim. Who are the victims? Is Hillary Clinton the victim? No. Hillary Clinton's not the victim. Hillary Clinton was just, she was a terrible candidate. I mean, y'all, there's just, there's no, there's no there there. And the polling, I think, would reflect really sharp animosity towards the president in swing states he won if these voters really believe they had been played by the Russians. And it's not there. And if the voters don't believe they've been played by the Russians... The Democrats are never going to be able to convince them they've been played by the Russians, nor are they going to be able to make a case against the president and his removal from office because the Russians sabotaged the election. They just can't do that. It's, it's not going to work for them. And Kushner coming out today as he did, I think, is helpful in that regard to the president's case. It is 27 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Well, no, I'm not going to talk about Game of Thrones. I guess I shouldn't. Um, I do want to say that they have released the Justice League second trailer. I've now seen it three times. I am more and more convinced this movie is going to be a disaster. I absolutely, I no wonder Ben Affleck wants to get out of being Batman. He was the only redeemable part of Batman versus Superman other than Wonder Woman. Uh, this is going to be a terrible movie, but when we come back, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the health care bill. It is 39 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Uh, before I get into the health care legislation, I want to take some phone calls here. Marty in Villarica has been waiting patiently. Marty, welcome. Hey, buddy. Uh, I think the, the problem the Democrats have and the reason you're not seeing any shift in, these, in the support for the president is, is when people, people only get mad when they feel like They've been lied to, you know, had the wool pulled over their eyes. But the information that was released about Hillary was the truth. So, you know, people don't feel cheated. Uh, they feel the information might have came from a tainted source, but it was the truth. Yeah, she did keep an email server in her bathroom basement, in her basement bathroom, yes. Well, and, and all the, the information, like the, the public and private positions and, you know, and all the stuff with... Uh, yeah, the, the Podesta where, emails and everything else. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, I mean, was there anything super damaging in the Podesta emails? No, there really wasn't. I mean, Hillary Clinton got beaten because she was a terrible candidate who spent more time trying to take Texas than trying to win Wisconsin. That is the, ultimately the reality here. And people just don't want to accept it on the Democratic side. Now, what Republicans don't want to accept is that they've been lied to for seven, eight years by the Republican Party when it comes to health care, promising repeal of Obamacare. To the president's credit today, if only we could have on script president every day, 
The president uh, did a wonderful thing today, something that I've been pushing Republicans to do for years and they never would do it, and that is he highlighted people who were forced onto Obamacare and it hurt them. And I know many more people in that situation than I know who have been helped by Obamacare. Anecdote is not data. That is true. But I do not know a person who benefited by being on Obamacare. And I know an awful lot of people who have been hurt by being on Obamacare. That's just the truth. You know, Mary Catherine Hamm, who was on CNN, is a longtime friend of mine. Uh, also a UGA fan. You should know that. Her husband, Jake, was killed last year, hit by a car. He was in a uh, cycling race and was hit by a car and killed. Mary Catherine Ham had to go on Obamacare. She did not want to go on Obamacare. And this was before Jake died uh, with his employer deciding to let everybody go on Obamacare. And what they got on Obamacare was more expensive than what they had and covered less than what they had. They didn't they couldn't get doctors to take it. And she had to pay much, much more to get a plan that doctors would take. I mean, she is one of the only people I know of on television talking about Obamacare on either side who's actually on Obamacare. Most of the talk, if not all of the talking heads on every network who are talking in defense of Obamacare aren't actually on Obamacare. The one person on television who is on Obamacare is opposed to it. I've told the story before, a buddy of mine I go to the gym with. He had a, a very cheap insurance plan. He's a personal trainer. He's in great shape, good health, and he had a great cheap insurance plan that his doctor gladly took before Obamacare. And after Obamacare, he's got to pay more money for a plan that not a single doctor in Georgia will take. He has to go to a hospital or an emergency room if he wants his insurance to be used. And he's not alone. We have people call the show all the time. So kudos to the president for highlighting those. Here's the problem. The Republicans in the Senate have no idea what's going on with their health care plan. They don't even know if they have enough votes tomorrow to get it to the floor to start debate on it. The vice president has been called to the Senate tomorrow to potentially break a tie vote. Folks, I have very big news, and it just hit the wires as Doug was talking. This is huge, huge news. The 25th James Bond movie will come out in 2019, and Daniel Craig appears set to be James Bond. There is a God. We can all thank him. It's not a guarantee, but apparently they're in negotiations over the contract right now with Daniel Craig for the 25th James Bond. He needs to be the 25th James Bond. It needs to be. If it's the 25th movie, he needs to be it. They don't need to start that with a new guy. Okay. Now, back to Obamacare. Let's go to the phones. Charlie and Milton, you are up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Just a, a quick question, more around the, the political expediency. Um, why not do something to where if you're poor and can't afford your health care, there's a government solution. Um, but for those of us that can, go strictly free market so we can get catastrophic coverage. Fascinating idea. I mean, yes, I completely agree with you. In fact, that's what the Republicans say they support. Unfortunately, it's pretty clear that there aren't actually a majority of Republicans who truly do support that, even though they claim to. I, I think they should. You know, honestly, the the healthcare insurance systems in Switzerland and in Singapore are well, they're they're government operated. But they're actually more free market than what we had even before Obamacare. 
in that the government essentially does exactly what you're suggesting. You can go out, you get money, you go out, you buy your insurance, and anything above uh, what your insurance covers is covered by the government. And people who can't afford it, it's 100% covered by the government. And their systems work, and they don't have the long lines. And the reason you don't hear about uh, people going to, to Switzerland or going to Singapore, although people do, is largely because those systems are aligned for their citizens. So, you know, here, for example, we got people from Britain, Canada, who come here all the time for surgeries because they've got weights there they can get in here. Uh, there aren't weights in Switzerland, there aren't weights in Singapore, but uh, they don't have access to the hospitals and stuff there because they're not citizens. Now, that's one of the reasons Democrats would oppose it, because it would be citizen-sensitive, meaning it would be a, a health care system that gave priority to the citizens of the country and not to illegal aliens, for example. We can't have that in this country, you know. Just a, We were never going to get to a free market solution in health care. It is pretty obvious at this point. And we shouldn't accept it. We should continue to rail against it. But we have seven, eight years of Republicans who clearly have been lying to us. Tomorrow in the Senate, they will bring up the motion to proceed. Tom Price, uh, our former congressman here and now Secretary of Health and Human Services, says he believes they have 50 votes. So Mike Pence will be in the Senate to cast the tiebreaker so they can proceed to a debate on Obamacare. I don't know or on the Obamacare legislation. It doesn't repeal it, despite what them say they're saying. I don't know whether it'll be able to proceed. It does look like the Cruz Amendment is going to be added to it, and if that's the case, they may be able to get the conservatives to go along with it, because at least it'll be a step in the right direction. Hello there. Um, a small prayer request. Uh, we're going in for Christie's next CT scan for her lungs tomorrow at Emory. So um, uh, all prayers appreciated. I'm uh, not expecting anything, um, any bad news, but nonetheless, uh, prayers appreciated. If you'd like to sign up for the daily email uh, that I send out now every morning at 6 a.m., text the word WSB, the word, the letters, WSB to 444 999. Now, we got people who, who are on the phones want to talk about health care, and I will get to you guys after the break, but I need to make a point here before we go. Uh, Charlie Gard's parents have decided to let him go. Uh, and what's so interesting here is, and tragic, is that they're having to let him go because the hospital stopped giving him any care other than life support. Uh, while going through the court battle, and he's deteriorated beyond the point of being able to be helped now. And that is the future of health care in this country if we don't get rid of government-controlled health care, where the government will insert itself into overriding parents' wishes for their children. It is 6.09. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Rain starting to clear out. Uh, still got it on the south side of the city. Otherwise, 
uh, either sprinkles or no rain at all. If you want to sign up for the daily email that I send out in the mornings uh, with all the news of the day you need to know, uh, text WSB to 444-999. Before I get into other topics, we were talking about Obamacare in the last hour. We got a number of people on hold who wanted to talk about it. Don't want to shift to a different topic and then come back to it. So let's take these calls right now. Let's start first with Greg in Stone Mountain. You're up next. Welcome. Yeah, I wanted to find out, if I understood correctly, uh, through executive order, Congress was exempted from having to participate in Obamacare? Yes. And could the president, if there is no action, write an executive order to make them participate? Um, What he could do is he could withdraw the original guidance that the Office of Management and Budget provided uh, classifying Congress as a small business. That's what they did. Uh, They classified Congress as a small business to give them an exception. And he could take that back. And I and others have called on him to do it. And maybe he should if they fail to do pass any substantive reforms. Kyle in Lawrenceville, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, I had a I had a question about um, the VA and the state of the VA. Um, if we look back at the way that universal health care came about, it was because the United Kingdom was trying to keep uh, the 20-year-old, uh, 40-year-old age group males in good fighting condition. Um, so when you come back, the VA is so colluded. How do people that are voting for all these um, bills for a universal health care system want to uh, say and look at the VA and say, oh, we're doing a good job here when it's even failing our veterans, which is a minute number compared to the rest of the United right. States. Well, you know, they shouldn't, and several people, including Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, have pointed out that uh, the VA system is failing. Why should the government take on an additional health care system? Medicaid as well is failing. Uh, The government doesn't do a very good job on either front, and Rubio and and Cruz and others have been pushing a plan to let veterans go to any doctor they want. Uh, And believe it or not, there are some liberal veterans groups who who get upset about that. They want a government-run plan. Uh, they need to reform the VA system. Uh, still, they've they've made some advances thus far. The president has signed the legislation that Rubio wrote, uh, but they still got a long ways to go. And yeah, people should be reminded of of Medicaid and of the VA when they think they want a government-run health care plan in the United States. Mike and Buford, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. I, I was just wondering, why don't we just get employers out of the healthcare business and create a huge retail market like you know, car insurance? That is uh, ultimately what a number of conservative think tanks have proposed is, is stop tying healthcare insurance to employers. It's something people forget. That came about during World War II because employers were no longer allowed to raise wages. Uh, they put caps on wages in World War II. So to attract employees, to attract workers, employers paid for their health care. And that became the thing that you went to an employer who gave you health care. Uh, it was an anachronism of World War II that has stuck around. And uh, breaking up that system would be a very good thing. I just don't think it's going to happen at this point. 
Uh, I, I really, I, I don't know that we're ever going to get the free market solutions that you and I would like to reduce costs. Uh, we are headed towards single payer, and it's going to be a disaster because neither the Republicans nor the Democrats uh, can think of anything else. Rod Dreher, who wrote the book The Benedict Option, uh, which is is not a book about Christians withdrawing from society as, as though it's been characterized as that. It's more about essentially withdrawing from popular culture and getting back to your roots. Uh, he put up the most interesting tweet of the weekend uh, on Twitter on Saturday. Uh, let me let me pull it up so I can read it uh, precisely. In the end, Trump will force conservatives to decide if they love the rule of law more than they hate liberals. I'm not confident in the outcome. I have been thinking about this for a while, uh, and he articulated it better than anything I have, uh, because a, a lot of us have concerns about the tribalism on the right these days. You know, if, for example, here on this program, I can go four days praising the president and on the fifth day criticize him and we're getting swamped with phone calls from angry Trump supporters that how dare you criticize the president you never you never got over the election you never say anything nice about him oblivious to the prior four days that has actually happened we've actually done that as an experiment here where we said absolutely nothing critical of the president for multiple days in a row only to then criticize something he had done and, and watch the the deluge it's just it's it is a cult of personality much like the left had with obama the president has it now on the republican side there is a level of tribalism on the right um, among Republicans of people who anything the president does is good, anything the other side does is bad, uh, to hell with the rule of law. And I'm afraid that if Republicans continue to go down this road, just as Barack Obama established precedents on the use of executive orders that Donald Trump used, Donald Trump is going to establish precedents on behavior and the rule of law that the Democrats are going to use. That's somewhat why, well, largely why I am concerned with the president in the last 72 hours tweeting repeatedly that he still thinks the attorney general needs to investigate Hillary Clinton. And I know many of you think that the attorney general needs to investigate Hillary Clinton and that the Congress needs to investigate Hillary Clinton and leave Donald Trump and his family alone. I know many of you do think that. The problem is that she lost and she's out of the public light now. If this president were to go down the road of a third world kleptocracy and use the judicial system to harass his opponents who he beat, then the Democrats are one day going to get back to the White House. And they're going to harass with the legal system the person they beat, Donald Trump and his family. You see, you can think that there's a legitimate reason to go after Hillary Clinton. You can think she broke the law. You can think that she should be prosecuted for it. But you're not going to convince at least 48% of the public that she did anything wrong. And it's going to look like it was motivated by partisanship. And eventually, you know, the people who push this tribalism on the right have become just as embittered and angry as the left and out of ideas. It's They have no ideas for improving the country. It's just taking care of their own side, just as the left has become in this country. And the problem with this is that eventually you're going to get to a point where the Democrats do take things back. There is nothing permanent in politics. 
events do change things. There will, again, in my lifetime, be a Democrat president. And if the president of the United States, Donald Trump, goes down the road of prosecuting the people from prior offices, then the Democrats are going to do it as well. And it may just be with this president going after the secretary of state. With the next president, it could be going after the president's kids. With the next president, it could be going after the past president. You know, Barack Obama, when he came to office, had a bunch of people in his administration who wanted to prosecute Bush administration officials. They wanted to prosecute a number of the people who conducted the war on terror, claiming that they were torturing people. They pushed and pushed the president and the attorney general to do it, and both of them said no. They were not going to open old wounds and prosecute former administration officials for things even if they thought it was a crime because they knew what would happen long term. They would be establishing a precedent for the new incoming administration to use the legal system to badger, harass, and abuse the processes of law against the prior administration. And it may start out as legitimate, but once that precedent is started, it goes downhill from there. If people on the right decide that they are going to be as tribal as the left, and to heck with the rule of law, it's our side versus their side, and we've got to beat the left, at some point you're going to find yourself on the losing side. Because again, there's nothing permanent in politics. At some point, the left will be resurgent in this country. And the precedents you set now are precedents they will use just as the precedents Barack Obama set are precedents Donald Trump is using now. And the question is, what are the precedents that you intend to set? I would think very carefully about those. Twenty-six after the hour, Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800, WSB-TALK. Rick in Canton, you are next. Welcome. Hey, uh, I disagree with your reason about not pursuing Hillary Clinton. The reason you should is to is to back up the sanctity of law. And here's why. It's because Comey testified three times under oath that she broke several provisions under the Espionage Act. Under oath, he testified to that. If you don't pursue that, then what you're doing is you're showing there is indeed a two-tier justice system, one for the rich and one for the poor. That's why a lot of us want to see her prosecuted, because it's proven that she did break the law. Well, it it hasn't been proven, uh, although Comey's testimony is compelling, but Comey also has testimony about the the Trump family. And so if if we're going to go based on what Comey said about Clinton, uh, the Democrats are going to go based on what he said about the Trump family, and we're going to see the next administration come in and prosecute them. And we're just going to have this tit-for-tat back and forth. Um, That's my problem with it. I totally see what you're saying, but at the same time, I also see that Hillary Clinton got beat. The voters did to her what you want a jury to do. They have driven her out of society, for now at least. I'm sure she'll come back, just like a Clinton, but she's not going to be president now. Uh, Rick, listen, I totally get what you're saying, and I'm very sympathetic to the argument, but I know what's going to happen. There's going to be a tit-for-tat escalation. Uh, We go after Hillary Clinton because, uh, well, you know, the FBI said there were allegations there. 
Well, the FBI says there might be allegations against the Trump family. Let's go after the Trump family. Well, the next one's going to be, well, there might be allegations against Trump himself. We better go prosecute Trump and back and forth, back and forth. And pretty soon, it just becomes a political escalation in the judicial system. It is a dangerous road to go down. had a lot of people call in asking, well, what would you do if you're not going to prosecute Clinton? What would you do? Um, I'm reminded of, of George W. Bush in the 2000 presidential debate. Al Gore attacked him for refusing to sign hate crimes legislation in Texas. And they uh, he brought up the, the, the Bird murder, the Mr. Bird who was dragged behind a pickup truck by two racists in Texas. Uh, until he died, and those two men got the death penalty. And George W. Bush looked at Al Gore and he said, "Well, what do you want me? What would you want me to do? They got the death penalty. Dig them up and kill them again." And that's what I feel like in in this situation. And I know some of you are just going to disagree with me, and we're going to have to agree to disagree. But you go down the road of prosecuting Hillary Clinton once, well after she's left office. You're going to see that happen to your side. And you may think it's legitimate, but 48% of the public won't. And at some point, that 48% of the public is going to get back into the White House, and they're going to still have in their heads that you illegitimately uh, threw in jail or at least prosecuted uh, someone from their side. So by God, they're going to get revenge and do it to your side. And at some point, it really will become political. That's the road you go down when this happens. And eventually you get rapidly, not eventually, rapidly get to third world kleptocracy. So what would I do? You beat her. You, you, you prosecuted this in the public. You didn't go before a jury of 12. You went before a jury of 350 million people and you kicked her butt at the polls. That's exactly what you did. I mean, that was your trial by jury. No, she's not going to jail, but she's not going to the White House. Her career is over. The Clinton Foundation shut down. I mean, you, you go down the road of prosecuting her now like the president wants. Don Jr. is going to jail. Next time a Democrat gets, unless he starts pardoning people, and then that's what you're going to see, is you're going to see presidents, upon leaving office, give blanket pardons to everyone, at which point that then cheapens the system. The very system you're worried about cheapening by not prosecuting Hillary Clinton becomes cheapened when the presidents leave office and they pardon everyone, because then everyone knows they have carte blanche to do whatever they want while in office because they're going to get a pardon at the end of it. That's the road you go down if you do this. If you cannot, while the person is in office, make the case to prosecute them, uh, then you've lost. You have. Uh, you got to come up with a different way. And in this case, it was at the polls, and you beat her at the polls. I mean, it's not like people don't get prosecuted by the FBI while in office. We have seen this before with lower-level officials. We haven't seen it with cabinet secretaries, not since the Teapot Dome at least, but it's happened. But with, with lower-level uh, political appointees and with, with civil staff, that has happened during the administrations, and they did not get, they did not get pardoned. Uh, hello, Scooter Libby. Whether you agree with that or not, and I don't, um, it, it was someone who worked for the vice president and was prosecuted. And I think that was political. But that's the road you go down. It is a very, very dangerous road uh, when you head in that direction. It really is.
and I am worried about the tribalism in this country on both sides. And, you know, honestly, there should be a role here for the church in America. And unfortunately, too many churches have bought into the politics of the age on the left and the right and have just become uh, tribal cheerleaders. I mean, the number of evangelical leaders out today rushing to defend Jared Kushner, and they all use the exact same talking points. I mean, man of integrity came out of every single one of their mouths. Half of them said, I don't really know him, but he's been a friend of evangelicals. I mean, it was clearly coordinated talking points, which just cheapens the whole thing when you're coordinating your talking points. You don't know him, but here's the list from the White House. Please rush out and say this to defend him. Uh, I, I hate coordinated talking points nonsense either. Now, so I'm being told that there is a cabinet-level revolt happening within the White House at this moment, uh, that Rex Tillerson is deeply angry with the president's comments on Jeff Sessions, unable to let them go. I'm told other members of the cabinet as well, including General Mattis, Secretary Mattis, are furious with the way the president is dragging the attorney general through this, I'm also being told the president is looking at Rudy Giuliani to replace Jeff Sessions. Uh, pretty significant news there out of the White House uh, this evening. Uh, Tillerson is thinking of resigning. Uh, Tillerson does not like the way he's had to engage with the White House. He does not like the staff-leveled fighting over personnel. He has people he wants to staff the State Department, and the White House won't let him. Uh, Mattis has the same problem. He has experienced people he wants in, but they weren't sufficiently pro-Trump during the campaign season, so the Trump White House is blocking them. So he's upset. Now they see Jeff Sessions being thrown under the bus. You have people inside the White House also upset about Jeff Sessions' treatment. You've kind of got a cabinet-level revolt right now. And it all comes back to what I talked about at the end of last week. Uh, Jeff Sessions is the most loyal person on staff to Donald Trump. He was with Donald Trump before anyone else was with Donald Trump. He was the only elected official in the nation at one point to come out for Donald Trump. And the president is treating him the way he's treating him. Uh, other cabinet officials are taking signs of taking notice of that. Sean Spicer apparently took notice of that last week, that loyalty is a one-way street. And they're starting to have the predictable results. They're thinking there's no reason for them to stay around pushing a guy's policy when he doesn't seem committed to pushing it himself. And, by the way, if something goes wrong, uh, they're going to get the blame for it, whether they did it or not. When you've got a staff level at the White House that is wholly incompetent, and they are, there's a lot of incompetence in the White House staff right now. And they're screwing up the policy positions of the cabinet secretaries, and it's the cabinet secretaries who are getting blamed for the screw-ups that they themselves did not cause. Well, why do they want to stick around? I mean, for God's sakes, uh, you got uh, Tillerson is a multi-bajillionaire at this point, having been the CEO of Exxon for so long, and his shares vested right before he became Secretary of State. There's no reason for him to have to put up with this when he could be on a golf course somewhere enjoying it. So it looks like Tillerson may be the next secretary to go, and there may be one or two others who are thinking of departing soon. Fifty-five after the hour, Eric Erickson here. Y'all, the Huffington Post ran a story today, uh, or last night, I guess, that, that's getting all sorts of buzz, and uh, its headline is, Powerful Photo Shows It's Not Just Women Who Get Periods. And I'm sorry to be talking about this subject at the end of the show here, but yeah, 
that it's not just women who have their time of the month, that men do too. And that men need access to, well, tampons and things as well. I know what you're thinking. You're scratching your head saying, well, it's a transgender person. It is not a, a, a um, it's not a, an amazing photo. It's not a powerful photo. It's a photo of a girl with short cut hair and a gingham shirt looking like a guy, uh, claiming to be a guy. And, you know, you, you point this out that that's not a, that's not a dude, it's a chick. And you know, people just get all upset and say, oh, you're just being so awful. What does it affect you? What does it matter? Well, you got, if you don't speak up, this is what they think. If, if they can shut you up about it, so because you don't want to be a bad person, you don't want to get yelled at, well, they can normalize what is mental illness, what is a mental health issue. And then they can encroach on your kids and others as well. I mean, we're already seeing nut jobs like the woman in Canada who refused to allow doctors to declare whether or not she had a boy or a girl. She wanted the child to make up its own mind. This is anti-science, by the way. There is no science. Now, I realize that people who buy into transgenderism as something legit, they've got their own scientists and doctors out there just like the anti-vaccine crowd does. But it doesn't make it legitimate. And the crazy thing is many of the people who believe this is legit get mad at anyone who questions climate change. I mean, and I'm not even someone who questions climate change. I question some of the, the, the conclusions and extrapolations in doom and gloom scenarios. But this is just mainstreaming insanity is what's going on with the left these days. Absolutely crazy. All right, we are out of time here. I will see you guys tomorrow.